Today's message is, I don't want to say profound, it's simple. But how many know the gospel is simple and was meant to be simple? The people that were drawn to Christ the quick weren't the theologians. They were the ones who rejected Christ. It was the, the people who just wanted to know God and wanted to receive love on a level they have never received today. And part of what happens in your heart is revealed by what happens in your, in your actions. And we call that faith. Faith is belief in action. If your belief takes no action, you don't really have faith. The demons believed in Jesus when Legion approached uh, Jesus when he was tempted on a mountain and the demons, we are many is what his name meant. He was possessed by many spirits. He said, he said, we know who you are. You are the Christ. What have you to do with us, thou Jesus? See, they said, we know who you are. We don't serve you, but we know who you are. They believed who he was, but they didn't follow him because you know why? That takes action. So y'all took action today. See, y'all have a level of faith in your, in your life right now because you came to church. It takes action to get up, get dressed, put on your whatever you wear, come to church, get in your car, spend your gas money, hit Starbucks, gas station QT, whatever it is that, that works for you, it takes action to do all those things. So it takes faith to come in the church doors, but there's people that haven't got that far yet. They're still just thinking about it. There's people just thinking about why would I bother? I don't need to go to church. I don't know to do I don't need to do anything. I can just think. And he is. And Jesus says, Well, so did the spirits in Legion who went in the swine and off the cliff. Following takes action. Amen. There's steps of faith. Steps of faith. You step, I step. Remember that? Of faith. I'm not a dancer. Don't don't laugh. It's not good. But many people never come through the church doors because they never understand the purpose of seeking a God they can't see. I mean, you can't even see him. That's what they think. Why would I talk, sing for God's sake, and acknowledge something that looks unfathomable to the naked eye? It sounds ridiculous or ridiculous, as my kids say it. They still can't say that word. I say, it's ridiculous. They say, ridiculous. I said, no, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Whatever sticks, you can call it ridiculous or ridiculous, but it looks ridiculous when you don't have a faith to know that God is real in your life, that we come and we sing to someone we can't see, such as they think. It sounds ridiculous in the sight of logic and appears impossible to comprehend in the age of technological breakthroughs. Why do we serve a God when we've got smartphones and Google? Isn't that the same? We've got everything we need to know. You know, sometimes you weren't made to know everything. In fact, sometimes it's good that you don't know everything. Because if we knew everything, the Bible says the world couldn't contain all the books, says John. The Bible couldn't contain all the books. We only wrote down what you needed to know to know the love of God, to have a seeking heart, that we couldn't write down everything because your brain would explode. It was too many things Jesus did, John says. This is the last verse of the Gospel of John. The world couldn't contain all the books. But if my understanding was to be my basis for pursuing greater things in general, how far could I really travel in discovering my purpose on this earth? If I only pursued when I understood, I might not ever pursue anything, right? I mean, a child pursues adolescent things without necessarily understanding. It's because they're seeking. As we engage our heart through faith, though, searching for a God who is greater than myself 
and whose love is immeasurably more than I could ever ask or perceive, we will start to transition into a true worshiper of the king. A true worshiper, the Bible says, of the king. And I get it. Our guard may be up in the beginning as we don't even know how to make sense of this Jesus thing. But it's in the core of our DNA. Everybody say it's in our DNA. It's in the DNA. To yearn for a creator who made us out of his image. If we're made from him, we have all the desires of him and it's natural without a Bible even to know we have a God who loves us. And your desire for more will reveal a God who is closer than you ever imagined or even expected. I didn't know he was there for that. Oh no, he saw that too. He did see that too. And eventually you go, what? I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he was there with me, even in the low points. If we go to John chapter four, it's my favorite gospel. I always say that. The disciple whom Jesus loved, he wasn't conceited. He's talking about himself because he's the one writing the book. So if he said, and John, John, then he'd sound like Bob Dole. And he didn't want to sound like Bob Dole referring to himself in the third person. So he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It wasn't an arrogance thing. Even though he's like, yeah, he loves me. I'm going to write that in my gospel. Jesus, um, Jesus here is talking, we've heard about Jesus at the well when he was thirsty, talking to the Samaritan, talking about the living water. And then he went in to test the Samaritan for her honesty and said, you know, I know you've been married four times and this fifth person you're not married to. And she, she told him that. And he said, you've, you've been straight with me. But now they're coming into part of the conversation that's a little deeper. See, the Samaritans were a split between Assyrian descent and Jewish. They were half Gentile, non-Jew, and half Jew. And what happened is in 721 before Christ, approximately, the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom. We call it, we call it Israel, but it's Israel and Judah, the northern and south kingdom, when they split. And the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom and took some of the Jews captives. And the one they left, they got in relations with. And so the Samaritans were born out of, well, you know, that. And so they all went to the mountains because Moses said, go to the mountains. So they believed they were supposed to bring their habitat to the mountains. So they stayed in the mountains, but the Jews didn't like the Samaritans because they were only half Jewish. So the, Jew, the Samaritans had kind of a, a connotation for looking the part, but the Jews felt like they weren't the real thing. You know what I mean? Like they, they worshiped too. They looked like they were engaged too, but the Jews said, there's something deeper here that you're missing. And so Jesus is having this conversation with the Samaritan woman. They called them dogs. It was not nice. And they, they even said, you know, the dogs need the crumbs off the table too. This is when there was revelation that the gospel should be preached to the Gentiles also later. But right now we're talking about at the well, in verse 21, he's talking to the Samaritan woman and he says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain, because that's where they thought you were supposed to be in worship, nor in Jerusalem, where the Jews thought they were supposed to be to worship, worship the Father. You're, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. See, it wasn't until Acts that God revealed to Peter at Cornelius' house through the vision that the Gentiles were worthy of the gospel. That's when the Jews knew all mankind was worthy of God's salvation promise 
through Acts, through the, through the new church. But this is still in the gospel. This is when Jesus was still walking in the earth. He says in 23, but the hour is coming and now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's seeking you to seek him to worship him on another level. It doesn't have to be in the mountain and it doesn't have to be in the Southern kingdom. It just has to be true. It can be anywhere. And he says, the hour is coming. See, she's playing, she's playing political games and he's cutting right through that mess. It says, quit playing that. You got the Pharisee mindset here. You're gonna worship anywhere because I am. She didn't know, by the way, that he was the Christ. She thought he was just some dude at the well, thirsty, he didn't even bring his bucket. That's what she thought. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In order to worship spirit, you have to be in spirit. That's why there's a union called the new birth, born of water, born of spirit. That's why it's significant. It's a marriage of the DNA and the spirit. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. To Jesus, he's saying this, she's saying this. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You're looking at him. You didn't know you were looking at him, did you? Yeah, it's me. And I was thirsty, but not for that water. I was talking about you, a water that never dries up. I was talking about living water. Oh, that's me also. But now we're talking about worship. That was earlier in the conversation. The title of this message is Seeking hearts. It's a heart condition for Christ. If you don't have a heart condition for Christ, you don't have a relationship with Christ. It starts with a penetration to the heart. And my heart was built upon a greater love, a God who desires to be worshiped. It's weird in West County and St. Charles County to worship something except God according to his word. And so it's not weird once you understand why, because he is, and he is worthy of our praise. My heart was built upon this great love, this idea that there's a God who loves me, all of me, will take me in and desires our worship and our praise. But it starts with something really simple today, some of you have gotten here and some haven't, and many know people who haven't gotten here yet. It starts with seeking. And everybody here has obviously been seeking because they came to church. But maybe we know somebody who hasn't even desired to seek yet. They've just been ears to the conversation. Jim, you know how that feels. They're ears to the conversation. And when they start to seek, they start to inhabit what's happening and start to internalize what's happening. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, you got to ask, that's faith, receives. And he who seeks, you got to move, that's faith, finds. And him who knocks, that's action, that's faith, will be, it will be opened unto him. You with me? It takes steps. And in order to understand the desire to worship, which is part of our path, part of our journey, we have to seek. If we never seek beyond worshiping in the mountain, we'll never understand the need to worship Jesus in church. That's for the mountain. 
God says, I want a true worshiper. If you need to worship me in the parking lot, you do that. Whatever you need to do, I want a true worshiper. That it doesn't look like worship, it is worship from a seeking, bleeding heart for my love and affection. And the reason people don't is because they don't understand. It takes time. They're spiritually adolescent just like normal adolescents. It's a walk with God. It's a growth. We grow as we learn and we learn as we grow. And so when they don't understand, they just, we don't do anything. We just settle. We settle. And what happens is it prevents seeking. We don't do anything. We just keep talking about coming to church. We'll be there eventually, maybe next week. When I don't have anything else to do and everything's perfect, guess what? That never happens. It'll never happen. When you're pursuing a business, it'll never happen if you're waiting for it to be perfect to start. When you're pursuing anything, a marriage, anything, it'll never just be perfect. You have to work at it. Everything takes work. There's a grind to everything. But that faithfulness is what God will increase and bless, and you have to seek. And that lack of movement creates lackluster results. Why well, I don't see God move. I don't see God doing anything. What have, what have you done for me lately? Bum, 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 bum. Come on. Ooh, yeah. Come on, you know Janet Jackson. Oh, that was my jam. Okay, I'm really getting off here. This is what no sleep does. Five, four, three, two, one. Rhythm Nation? 1814? Come on! Okay. That's why I got teased a lot when I was a kid. Turned me into a pastor. All the teasing. <laughs> I had the Michael Jackson glove. We don't want him to go there. I had it all. I had it all. But people of the Bible were the same. They always were waiting for a miracle to say, okay, I believe. But God said, that which you don't see is greater than that which you see. Okay, Lazarus, come up out of the grave. But I wanted you to see that I am the resurrection. I can forgive sin. Take up your bed and walk. He said, I forgave sin, which is greater. You see, see, the people back then were the same as people now. Everybody's waiting for the perfect thing to happen first. And that's not how it works with God. It takes seeking first. It takes seeking blindly. Like the Samaritan woman. She didn't know what was going on, but she was hungry. There was a seeking in her heart. She didn't even know who she was talking to, but she knows he's coming. He's coming and he's right in front of her. That's cool. That's pure faithfulness. She's trying. Her, 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 her background says, I shouldn't be talking to this man. I'm, I'm the Samaritan. I, but he says, she says, I know that there's a God who loves me and I'm going to seek. Just like, just like Rahab, remember the prostitute. She says, I'm going to go seek something's different here. She ended up marrying into the Israelites later. She wasn't supposed to. Some of the best blessings come from the things that you think you weren't supposed to do. It's not always a bad thing to go against what everybody says you shouldn't be doing. <clears throat> but until you're willing to seek, it's hard to see results. And the people of the Bible were the same way. The Israelites were the same way. It took a long time. But the unseen was always the greater revolution that God will reveal to us. It's always greater than that which you see. The only reason there's things you see is so God can show you something that you can't see. That's how you see God. I don't see God. Actually, God is everywhere. You can see God in a lot of things. You see the trees blowing. You see the wind blowing. Do you know God is spirit and the spirit talks about the wind synonymously with spirit and the sound of God moving and all these things. Everything we know culturally is elements of God's 
essence. You hear God, you feel God, you see God, your children, in your life, in nature. You see the results of God. You see the wind blow. You can't see the wind, but you can see the results of it. And my heart was built upon a greater love, a God who desires our worship, and I'm going to worship him in faith. But worship won't happen until revelation. There's got to be, you know, in, in the Google world, you call it a light bulb went off. But in the God world, it's called a revelation. It's a spiritual light bulb. When the light bulb goes off, you can look at something 10 times in the gospels and go, whoa. God will open your mind and your heart to see something you never saw right in front of you from the get-go. And worship is one of those things that you will desire differently as you have the revelation of what it is to serve and worship God on a new level. And seeking, again, is the critical step in that. It's looking further than we can see or understand. If you only seek based on what you know the end's gonna look like, that's a lack of faith. That's not really anything to be proud of. It's easy to walk over to those steps because I see the steps there and I see the pathway, but it's a lot harder if these lights were off to walk that way anyway and not fear walking into the camera and then Cameron is gonna be mad at me and quit serving at one seat church because I broke the camera. See, we don't wanna do that, but that's what faith is. As we walk, we seek because he says the door will open, you will find, knock, I'll open and reveal it to you. Move first, you step by step. Seeking is a desire for change. The Samaritan woman had a desire for change. She was sick of being called a dog who lived in the mountains. She was sick of getting the bread comes and she wants the full loaf of bread. She had a desire for change, so she was seeking. And God will transform the hearts who desire him, and then more so abundantly, he will overflow you with things you didn't even know you could get, let alone handle, and guess what? Now you want to give it away. He's going to overflow you. But you got to open up the door. Okay, God, come on. No, just kidding. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Hey, God, give me now, come on. Open the door. Touch your neighbor, tell him, open the door. Let God in. If you want God to come out, let him in. Knock, the door shall be open. If you let him, open the door. Well, God, I don't know. Should I give God the garage code to our garage? Because what if he tries to enter my home when I'm not home and we're out of town and I, and I forget to change the garage door code or the battery dies and then he, did, he can walk through the walls anyway. So who cares? Give him the code to get in the house. To get in the house. You want a seeking heart? Let him in the house. My household, my garden. She was doing that. Worship is a fruit of a seeking heart. So what happens here? As we start to seek, there's a transformation. Remember we started about the transformation series. A transformation starts taking place. Now not only are you seeking, but now you're yearning. Something's changing. I kind of like this. I kind of want more of this. I thought going to church was like a task list for God. No, I like being here. I want to be here. I get messed up in my mind when I'm not here. I'm yearning. I'm yearning for Jesus. I'm yearning for God's people because there's a, there's a peace and understanding that suppresses all. 
When I'm with God's people, when I'm with the presence of God, when I worship and praise, there's a presence that comes upon his house. Doesn't matter how fancy, doesn't matter how technical, doesn't matter what color lights are shooting across the stage, there is a presence of God when the anointing comes. And I yearn for it. So in this conversation, the woman is going from seeking to yearning. It's happening as Jesus speaks to her and she still doesn't know it's even him. She's, she's adolescently yearning for something like a child yearns for his parents. The baby doesn't know the parent's name perhaps, but they know their mother when they come out immediately. They know their mother in the womb. They know that's their parent and they yearn to be with them. But it starts with seeking. Verse 25, she said, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. See, now I'm expecting I'm expecting because now I seeked to get a little bit of understanding what this is about. And now I'm expecting God to move. I'm yearning for more. And God's going to deliver, she says. See, she's changing right in the conversation. The woman started having a burning desire for more. She looked past her political and social boundaries of living in the mountain and they were in the southern kingdom and still pursued God anyway. She said, I don't care about that because I yearn for more. I gotta have more. This is not enough. I look good in the mountain, but I wanna be a true worshiper of the king. I need more. And so I yearn for you, God, in a way I've never felt before. I don't know how to explain it. Weird stuff's happening to me. God does weird things when he touches your life. You know, you weren't meant to explain it because it was meant for them to experience firsthand because you could never relay it secondhand the way it was meant for you to, for them to experience it firsthand. When God does something spiritual in your life, your senses go, that doesn't make any sense. Amen to that, but he's spiritual and our senses weren't made to discern the spiritual because we're sensual. That's why we need a spirit. Discern all things. Is this of God? The Bible says. Discern the spirits. You need the spirit to discern the spirit. It's a connection point. But it takes seeking and it takes yearning. That seeking leads to a strong desire and God will start transforming your understanding. At the seek stage, you may be curious and willing, but yearning creates that fire. You know? Does anybody remember that stage where it was like, you were curious, but then you started to yearn and burn for more. Does anybody remember that? Is it just me? If you, if you, anybody raise your hand if you got that feeling, if you've had that feeling to yearn for God. There's a need for God now. I don't just know about him. I need him. That's yearning. And so she knew something was up with this Messiah coming. Despite what kind of slack she might get from her Samaritan people, she said, I don't care because I know that I need him. And that desire is when we start to worship freely. Utmost passion for Jesus. My heart was built upon this greater love, a God who desires our worship. And we're not just talking about here at church. We're talking about in our life. It's a, it's a mindset. It's a mindset to be so transparent with God that you're not afraid of what the people might judge you as because you know that your need for God is greater than their opinion of you. It took me a long time to get over that. A long time. And I was missing out. It took me a long time because I didn't, I wasn't comfortable. And that's okay. We're not telling you how to worship. We're not telling you how to, there's no right and wrong way. 
you're one of, you know, if you're one of these, if you're one of these, if you're one of these, if you're, if you're one of these, if you're one of these, it's all good. There's no rules for worship. What matters is God is getting your heart. Is your heart changing? Because no matter how you do it, when the fire is there, you're going to want to do it because you know you need him and he is worthy to be praised and worshiped. But the woman sensed that, but she still didn't fully understand, but she did have the desire. And it's totally okay to seek from a place of spiritual adolescence. That's how we start. That's why we come to church. We don't come to church knowing everything to begin with. We come to church because we know there's something we don't know and we need more of it, just like the Samaritan. That's a good thing. That's called growing. That's called stretching. That's how God grows us. And here she is talking to Jesus face to face and didn't even know it. I mean, did she even like, she could have got his autograph or something. That'd be weird, right? Would that be weird to put on eBay? Would that be weird? That'd be like selling out. Yeah. I would never do that. You know what that thing would go for? Man, on eBay, there's a real Jesus signature. Go for a lot. Nobody would believe you. That's okay. Because you don't need them to believe you because you know who he is. You don't need them to believe you because God will teach them through your witness. One waters, one increases. One, one waters, one plants. God gives the increase. I saw that, Jim. That was good. Thank you. But it's true. It's a collaborative thing. That's what the body does. The body of Christ plants. And she was her garden was rooting right in the conversation. And she didn't, she didn't even know what that fruit was that was coming up, that it was Jesus right in front of her. She didn't know that's what was coming up in her garden, but it was still growing and she didn't even know it. That's how good God is. He'll be planting in you and you don't even know he's doing a good work in you. You think nothing's happening. You think nothing is happening. There's no change in my life. And God is brewing a garden in you that's gonna take over the farm. It's gonna take it over. You didn't know you could produce that kind of fruit. Yearning when you see it. When you see David fairly come to church, how many get motivated when you see this man? I mean, he's on fire. He's on fire. David, if you're watching, we miss you, man. He says he's watching on the live stream. We miss you. And we miss your yearning for God because it's contagious. It's motivating. It makes me want to go above and beyond because I see God touching them. When God touches them, it makes me want to see what God can do to my life. And then I want to tell other people what God did to them and what he did to me. And then somebody else goes, well, I want that too. Maybe I should do that. Okay, I'm going to try it too. And then six months go by and all of a sudden they're advocating Christ on a mission. It's special. It's how God turns your heart on fire for him through worship. You ever like um, thought you weren't hungry and then you go get something really good and all of a sudden you're starving and you didn't know it? Actually, that, that seafood roll at Edgewild, I didn't think I was hungry until I ate that thing. And I'm like, man, I'm starving all of a sudden. That's good. See, you don't know what's good until you've tasted good. But if your palate's used to crackers, you think that's all there is. It's kind of like people say they don't know they're sick. Jesus says the world 
needs a, a physician. They that, they that are whole don't know they're sick. I came to heal the sick. It's like the hunger. I didn't know I was hungry until I tasted that thing. And they're like, whoa, I'm, I'm actually starving. Can I get two of those? Can I get one to go home? It was that good, but I didn't know what it tasted like. And I didn't know what hunger felt like until I realized there was a void in my appetite because I wasn't eating the right things. You guys connecting this? There's a void in our spirit and we can go through our life. And if we don't recognize that we might be starving ourselves, we can miss out on the best meal we ever had. Amen. It's true. And it don't even cost you anything. You know what it costs you? It costs you the people who never cared about you to begin with. That's what it costs you. That's what it costs you to eat that. The people who laughed at you, it costs you to not have to be around them as much because they're, they were making you feel miserable anyway, but we'll continue to pray for them. That's what it costs you. It costs you to give up the things you never liked to do anyway because only your friends did it and you just really weren't doing it because your friends do it and now I don't have to do it because I don't care what they think, that I wanna be a leader for God, not a follower of them. That's what it'll cost you. But what's so cool is God has a way of taking care of it. You don't desire the things that you feel like you're giving up because you don't, they, they go by the wayside naturally because your desire changed. Your desire changed like my green olive desire changed that I hated green olives when I was a kid. And I love those things. And my child's four and she'll eat Kalamata olives like Tic Tacs. What's wrong with her? But see, when I was a kid, green olives were nasty. Now I love them. See, my, it changed. Something changed. <laughs> but sometimes we don't know we're hungry, which causes that yearn to be fed until we've tasted what is good. And we can look back so many times and see how we miscalculated God's distance from us that maybe we were talking to him all along and we didn't even know that's who we were talking to. He was right here. He was arm's reach. He was hug's reach away when I thought I was abandoned. When I was thinking crazy stuff, God was standing there watching me saying, child, I'm right here. What are you doing? I didn't leave you. Don't mistake silence for absence. Don't mistake silence for absence. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. So what happens? We seek, we start to yearn, and as we yearn, we desire to worship, and as we desire to worship, we get close to Jesus in the conversation. He's right here, like the Samaritan. We get close. He said, I who speak to you am him. I am him. He's closer than you think right now. He always was. He never left. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He has no counselor. He's everywhere. He says, I understand what you're going through because I'm here with you. I saw it happen too. I'm in the hospital room too. I'm here with you, laying by you, praying with you, blessing you, healing you. Blessing others through you, through your witness right now in what you think is a storm. I'm blessing people right now because of this storm. I'm building a testimony in you and I'm closer than you think. Closeness eliminates what? Fear. When you feel scared, it's when you feel alone, right? 
When you feel really scared, it's like those times when you feel alone. But when you recognize the closeness of those you care about, those who protect you, guess what? You don't fear, feel fearful. You feel comforted. Just like a child. When, when we go on a trip sometimes, my parents live next door and we just, we, we drive them over. We do drive, it's weird. Driveway to driveway, we drive the kids over. You know, all the tablets and the bags and the things. It's just easier than walking through the grass, especially, you know, the grass is looking good. I don't know. Anyway, we drive them over and there's four kids. You like how I thought about that for a minute? There's four of them. Chloe, Caleb, Colton, Kaylee, nine, eight, almost seven, four going on, 30. She's the boss. And what happens is it's all cool. They know we're going out of town. Sometimes it's not far away. Sometimes it's far away. Sometimes it's on a plane. Sometimes it's in a car. Sometimes it's, it's, in, it's, in, another, it's in another time zone. Sometimes it's in another uh, country. And so I like to just like pretend it's no big deal because I don't want to like think about it and work myself up. I don't like leaving my kids. But what always happens is right when we're about to say goodbye, we take my mom's the night before because we always got to get up like 3 a.m. and you got to get to the airplane, do all the things, do all the things. We get them right before, okay, we're going we're gonna to go. It's always Caleb. He's the, he's the more outspoken, sentimental one. The other kids now, they're like, okay, bye. See ya. Grammy, I'm sleeping by your side in the bedroom. Caleb's, he just, he makes his face. I know, so he's, I say, what's the matter, buddy? And just explosion, explosion of moisture from his face. And it hurts. You know why? Because he feels like there's going to be distance between his protector and him. And so when we're gone, he feels left alone. He feels like we've left him. Even though we, you know, we don't do, we don't do Apple, we're, we're Microsoft people. We don't do FaceTime, we do Google Duo, but we Google Duo them every day face to face. And then they're okay, though he does cry on those too because he feels like the absence will put distance between us. But he doesn't realize that just because we're, we're, we're gone right now doesn't mean my heart is still not as connected to him as ever before. And God's even better because he's omnipresent. He's there anyway. He, he, he's everywhere at once. So he never never puts distance between us. He never puts that distance between you that you should fear. Even when you feel like the visitors are gone and it's time to talk to the nurse and get another thing in your side because they're going to do some kind of biopsy on this or that. Jesus says, I'm still here coddling you as my child. That's the difference. He can be right in front of us like the Samaritan. You can be closer than you think. When we seek him, he also seeks us. Remember 23, verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth because I know what I need and the Father is seeking. It says the Father is seeking such. He's seeking us too. It's not a one-way. Relationships are two-way. It's a two-way transaction of the heart. He's seeking us just as much as we're seeking him to worship in spirit and truth. So that's what's cool is when you feel like you're running to Jesus, guess what he's doing? He's running back to you. He's always willing to run to you. He'll never have too many slots booked up on his calendar like I do to, to make time for you. And it takes three days to go see you. It doesn't work like that with Jesus because he's always got time for you. He'll never put distance between you and him. 
And my proximity is determined by my hunger. Jesus was just as close to her, the Samaritan, when she didn't know anything about him as when he said, I am him who you speak to. The proximity didn't change. It's just her ability to recognize who he was there all along. You see what I'm saying? He was already there. He was already in front of her, three feet, a hug's distance away, a, a shoulder cry away, a, a pat on the back away, an encouraging word away. He was always there. She just didn't know how to recognize him. It took a seeking and then yearning heart. Our hearts were built upon this foundation, this greatest love, a God that desires our worship. Sometimes, excuse me, did that really loud on the microphone. Sometimes, that's what I should have done. We think no response means he's not there. But just because he's quiet doesn't mean he's not listening. He's listening. How many are thankful for times God didn't give it to you the way you asked? You know? I had a crush on them. What was I thinking? God, help me. Says 14-year-old TJ. Thank God I had to wait for the right person. Thank God. Yeah, I'm talking about you, my wife. That's good. Yeah. She's looking at me like, come on, you're going to say something sarcastic. I know it. For real. If I had gotten what I thought was good for me when I wanted it, I'd be a hot mess today. But God said, I was there. I was just listening to you and going, "Mm, mm, mm, you don't want that. Uh uh. Stay away from that. You feel sick? Yeah, it's because it's not a good idea. Yeah, delete that person. Delete, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that person, yeah, yeah. No, just let them pass you on the road. No, you don't have to do, no, just let them pass you on the road. I know they're all up on your grill on your car. Just let them pass you on the road. I'm I'm still here. I'm not saying nothing because it's a bad idea. No, don't justify it because we're not at church and we're in the car. No, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. Silence doesn't mean green light. Silence sometimes means red light. I know people, they think if they don't hear from God, that means he said, go ahead. Maybe that means he said, no, don't go ahead. Because if I told you, you'd be so terrified, you'd be scared to come out of your house. If I told you what you're asking me for, you don't even know what you're asking for. So I'm just gonna spare you because you don't need to know everything because I gave you enough of what is written now that if I gave you everything, the world can contain all the books and you wouldn't read them anyway. You'd be going to audible.com like Pastor Jeff and speeding up and then you forget everything that was said anyways because it's too much to digest. So just trust me, says God. Come on, who's, who's with me? Come on now, give him a praise right now. If y'all can stand with me as we close September 15th at 1C Church. Isn't it so cool that we can come together like this? This is a sign of faith. It didn't start this way, but faith leads to faithfulness back. God is always faithful to his children. And when you are faithful that you believe people will come, that if God calls you to do something, that people will respond. It's like running to the camera in pitch black. It's a little scary. And people will say you're crazy. But if you operate in faith, God is faithful to his promise. He won't reject you. He says, I'm waiting. You step out and I'm going to bless you. And look at this church, a faithful church. We are so blessed by y'all. 
You have no idea. It's so much deeper than the experience. Because that which you don't see is greater than that which you see. It's so much deeper and greater and life-changing. There is things happening all over because of you all in this church. Lives are changing for the good because of God's word through this house. And some of y'all, you know, we're at different walks in our, our spiritual journey. And this message was not about pressure to tell you to do this or that. This was about a challenge to encourage you to take your seeking if you're here right now and make sure you're starting to yearn for something because there should be a burning desire. And if there's not a burning desire, then ask questions because there's an answer. And maybe like the Samaritan, you didn't know there was an answer standing right in front of you all along. The thing you desired the most for was right with you from the beginning. So I can't encourage that enough. We are so blessed. And maybe y'all know somebody like that. Maybe somebody's on the fence about coming to church and you know that if they just came in this house, God would touch them because where the spirit is present, you can't deny his presence. You can't reject the spirit when it's here. It's overwhelming and God will change their heart. He will take their curiousness and turn them into a burning fire for his glory. And then they will leave here and go tell somebody else. So God, let's bow our heads right now and pray on our way out. God, help us take our seeking heart to a yearning heart so that we always remember how close you are and that we can plant the word in others in a way that they've never experienced. And we know some are gonna come and some are gonna go, but God, we believe in the long term that we are gonna keep planting seed and we're gonna build something. We're gonna go off the manna and we're gonna be reaping harvest from the land that you've produced, that you're gonna bring forth a, a harvest that we've never seen, God. We know it's real. We've seen you do it. We know you continue to do it. It's about us being faithful to you, not about you being faithful to us. God, touch us right now as we go into this baptism after service. Touch all the needs right now. Touch all the sick. Touch all the weary. Bring them peace. Let them know that you're right there in the conversation with them. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.